Hello, beautiful lovelies. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. See, my intent for this podcast is to help and aid other witches, especially black and queer witches. See, I created this podcast so that it becomes a safe space for all of us to learn from each other, no matter who we are or what our paths are. We are all cover mates, and I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Mm, I bet you're asking yourself right now, how can I support this podcast? How can I support this bitch in everything that they're doing? How can I support this person that loves me? How can I support them? See, look, I have a few ways that you can support this podcast. The first way is to share this podcast with people that, that you think will love this content. And also rate in this podcast on Apple Podcasts. For those who uh, listen to me on Apple Podcasts, you can definitely rate the podcast. Give it five stars. Help me out. Get me boosted onto that algorithm that I desperately need. Y'all already know. Number two, you can follow me on all social medias. Follow me on the podcast uh, official um, Instagram. And then you can also follow me on my Green Witch Instagram as well. TikTok, you can follow me on there. And you can join the Facebook Coven group. We definitely need more members and we love to see you guys. Number three, you can check out the website. My website is in the link tree below in the description box with the other links. You can um, go over there. You can book yourself a reading. You can get you some smoke blends. You can get a, a bar of soap. You can do so much on the website. Number four, you can subscribe to the Patreon. The Patreon is filled with so many different delicious goodies. Uh, for each Patreon tier, I love to send out a package box for each of my uh, Patreons. Um, with different goodies in it every month. And then number five, last but not least, you can donate to the Cash App. The Cash App is also in the description box. You can donate how much you want to, whenever you want to. It's always open. It's always there if you want to donate. Um, and for all of my people on um, Spotify, I can now interact with you guys. I can now ask you questions about the podcast. And you can answer the question and leave comments on the podcast. So don't forget to check that out in the description box. Um, I think it's a little tab called Community or something like that. And you can interact with me through Spotify. Okay? Okay. I love you guys. Thank you so much for supporting me and everything that I've done. Welcome back to the Black Queer Witch Podcast. A Black Podcast. A Queer Podcast. A Witch Podcast. Cast, cast, period. So, guys, this episode is actually a fun episode. I am doing this episode with Jason. I actually plan on making him my co host. For a few months to see how things go because we have really really in-depth cool conversations about witchcraft about the occult he's very knowledgeable as well so we're gonna do more conversations like this so hopefully you like this conversation um and 
Guys, you should hop into the Coven, the Facebook Coven group. I do post a lot more stuff in the Facebook Coven group, a lot more than what I talk about on the podcast. I share my experience as a witch. I experience some, uh, share some of the things that I'm doing magically, all of that good stuff. You can also follow me on Instagram too. And you guys can connect with me on the Patreon, which I plan on redoing the Patreon and setting it up to be more affordable for people and have a lot more amazing content. Um, I know I had set it up and um, a lot of the critiques I have been getting is like, "Mm, it's a little bit too pricey. So I'm going to change it up. I'm going to make it a little bit more affordable. Um not a little bit, but a whole lot more affordable for people, but still give people amazing, amazing content. Um, another update, I plan on doing a YouTube page so you guys can catch me on YouTube and catch me on YouTube very soon. So hopefully by the next episode, the YouTube should be up and running um, and all that good jazz. So yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into the episode. I'll see you guys at the end. Bye. So, you know, I don't even know where to go back. <laughs> I'm actually starting this episode like in the middle of a conversation that was previously had. And I was like, I feel like people should hear this. So we're going to continue the conversation. So, yeah, I, I've been thinking about taking my ancestor off to down and taking myself altered down and honestly we talked about why I want to take my ancestors altered down just because I don't I don't feel connected to my ancestors I don't feel connected to the altar is one of my very least active altars that I have on um on my like my little thing or whatever so I really want to take that altar down and I want to turn my ancestor where my ancestor altar used to be into like um like a season kind of altar or like an elemental kind of altar for elementals to come. Cause I do work with a lot of nature spirits now. Like they are very, very drawn to me. So I've been wanting to work with them more. So yeah, I'm going to free up that altar, but I do want to, I want to free up myself altar because I feel like um, it no longer serves a purpose. I feel like, an actual altar to yourself um, is an amazing thing, and it's something that I feel like everybody should do. Um, but I feel like I've grown past that type of altar to myself in that regards because I have a lot of self worth. Um, I have a lot of self esteem, and I feel like a physical altar like that is needed to help people um, who I'm not gonna say they who have self esteem issues, but like who want to build their self confidence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Sina, I've taken a little bit of a different <clears throat> view on the altar of yourself throughout my journey. You've seen how I've been doing better with the eating better, the working out. You know, I have more energy. I'm more confident now. And I've built my altar to myself within myself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I say my affirmations. You know, I tell myself that I'm worthy, that I'm proud of it. You know that I'm proud of myself when I'm doing my workouts. Like I give offerings to myself and to my deities as I'm working out and using that energy to fuel myself. So in a lot of ways, you know, I worship at the altar myself, essentially just by worshiping myself without needing the physical altar. And I feel like 
if people are able to change their minds on things and mm-hmm. their perspectives, physical altars aren't always needed to build an altar, especially if we're talking about the altar of yourself. Yeah. You can worship at the altar of yourself by worshiping yourself and just sitting down and having those conversations with yourself and telling yourself the things that you need to hear. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Definitely. Like, I have my self-altered, and I was built up on just principles that I find super important. So, I, I just feel like I need to take it down. Like, I need to take it down. Remove it. And, like, when I say worshiping yourself, too, that's not just sitting there being like, oh, I'm so great, I'm this, I'm that. You know, worshiping yourself is honoring yourself. That's setting boundaries, holding yourself accountable when you're wrong. You know, taking time to be there for yourself, to do things for yourself, not just sitting there telling yourself, oh, I'm worshiping me. It's doing the nitty gritty work of it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it is something that you have to fight for. And I think some people would be easier to do a physical altar, but for some people, it'd be easier to build it within themselves and just know that it's there. In that you yourself are an altar, that you yourself are a temple, right? That our spirits, our money, do as we say in Ojibwe, resides within. Mm-hmm. You know, our spirit, our soul within our body. I say, yeah, our body is our temple and altar for that spirit, right? And it deserves to be honored, respected, and worshipped, right? Definitely. So yeah, I'm taking it down because of that. Let's swing back to the ancestor also thing because I feel like. A lot of people, especially a lot of black people who are, are like on this magical path, now, um, not even just a lot of black people, I think I just see a lot of black people, but I, I noticed it from other people who've been really wanting to work with their ancestors, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I just feel like it's time to take it down, y'all. Like, I, I really tried, I really gave it my all, I gave offerings, I gave prayer. And there's no reaction. Like, sometimes they'll, like, I've had probably one or two ancestors who came for it since I've done, since I started ancestor work. Um, and I just feel like it's just not for me. Let's oh. talk about it because, bitch, my ancestors have communicated with you more than yours has. Yeah. And let's talk about that because the truth is, I'm I'm big on ancestor veneration. You know, I walk a necromantic path. You know, I consider myself a left-hand practitioner, a necromancer, and a healer. It's a complicated mix, but it works. But with that being said, man, some ancestors don't deserve to be in your circle and don't necessarily deserve to be praised and worshipped. Yeah. Because a lot of them have still carried over that hurt that they caused in this world, you know, when some people pass over, they're not automatically elevated. Yeah. They're still the same person they were on this world. And if you wouldn't worship them motherfuckers or praise them when they was here, if you wouldn't let a motherfucker like that in your circle or your house when they was alive, why would you do it when they're a spirit? Exactly. If they're not coming for you and there's not an equal exchange, they're not riding for you when you're getting food, candles, liquor, incense on a daily basis... All they're doing is taking up space for those spirits who do want to work with you. Exactly, yeah. Definitely, definitely. I do agree with that. So I'm going to take it down. And I was, honestly, I felt bad about it. Like, I honestly did feel bad. Like, man, maybe I should get a more of a chance. And 
maybe I should keep doing this. But I had to be honest and realistic with myself and realistic with the people that I know from my actual bloodline. And I had to realize that I have given them so many chances before and nothing has happened. So why should I keep wasting my my time, my money, and my energy with folks who just come to eat and come to drink and come to drink up the liquor when I pour it out and leave it on the altar? You know, like that's, honestly, that's the time that I get the most action um, is when I put out food. Like that's when I get, that's when a bunch of people come. Like they come running when there's something they can get from it. And I don't want to keep doing it because that's disrespectful to me. I'm not going to swim oceans for someone who wouldn't jump a puddle for me, and that includes the spirits. <laughs> so, I guess we're going to move forward. And, like, for other people, because I know there's other people who feel the same way that I feel, and they feel like they need to do ancestor work, especially a lot of Black Americans, because a lot of us don't have the records to show about these people that uh, live before us. Um, but don't feel bad. Like, do not feel bad. If it's not for you, it's just not for you. Um, if you feel like you get more more energy from your deities, more protection, more honor, more blessings from your deities, then you should work more with them. And you should just leave some stuff alone if it don't fit you. Well, that's the thing. Not, not, no one's magical path is ever going to be the same. You know, chances are you're not the person who's meant to work with the ancestors you're not the person you know if it's not for you you're not the person who's meant to take on those generational wounds and heal them to dig up those traumas that's probably being passed on to someone else and you're destined for something different within your magical practice Mm -hmm. you know that's just the thing you know i'm a firm believer in the fact that there's so many different types of spiritual practitioners and we're all meant to do something specific and that's why some things don't fit for us some people are meant to be healers some people are meant to do curse work some people are meant to work specifically with spirits you know some people are meant to dig up stuff on the ancestors and you know fix the stuff in their bloodlines all of it's different we are giving we are given different tasks by whoever to do these different things while we're on this earth. Mm-hmm. And if ancestor working for you, that's because you're meant for something else. Yeah, and then also because like I had a, like like I said like I think a lot of people know like I think I talked about it before on the podcast about the dream I had with Yimaya, and she was like, "You need to work, do some childhood work, um, in a ch- uh, in a child healing." And to like kind of connect with your ancestors, and I'm going through that. But there's just so much. Just, just I just feel like it's not meant for me because I feel like my child, my inner child, stops me, as in like stopping me, not in like not want to do it, but like stopping me. And like we don't need to do this again. We don't need to go down this path again. We don't need to be hurt again. We don't need to go through extra trauma to like. I don't know, be a part of something that is just not meant for you. Maybe you're meant to be, and like, that's one thing I also has, I had also had a uh, realization about was that I stopped calling myself a black sheep because that means that I'm just like them. I'm just a little different. I'm a little wonky. I'm a little this, I'm a little that. And I I started referring to myself as the chosen one or the golden child. Just even just seeing the golden child, like, it brings some type of energy to me. And maybe you're just like, even if, if you're feeling like me, 
maybe you're not meant for this bloodline. You're destined, like you said, destined to do other things. Um, and that bloodline probably will hold you back. So that's why you can't connect with it. It's a reason why you can't connect. And like, for me, I wanted it so badly that I was willing to try to connect any way that I possibly could. But it's just not meant for me. It's not meant for me to connect. Um, and I feel like spirit had distanced me from this family a long, long time ago when I was a kid for a reason. And now I see that. Like, in the beginning, when you're going through it, you don't see that. You just hurt. You're in pain. But now, as I grow and I become the witch that, I'm, that I am, I'm seeing, like, that shit was for a reason. Because this family would have hold you, held you back from what I needed you to do and where I needed you to be. Like, I was talking to a friend and she was saying, like, um, would you ever have thought, would you have ever believed that you were where you're at now? I think that's the, that's the, that makes sense. And I was like, honestly, I don't believe it. I said, it's still a little bit of a shock to me. I said, the younger me wanted it with everything in my fiber, everything in my being, but the younger me wouldn't have believed it. The younger me would have thought I would have been still where I was supposed to be, stuck in a poor and impoverished town with people who don't have the same mindset as me, basically stuck around a bunch of fucking mortals. Like, imagine being stuck up around a bunch of mortals all the time and that's your life. Well, no, let's talk about that. Let's talk about these toxic family values that you find, especially within BIPOC families, which is the, like, you know, it's always family first. You don't turn your back on your family. You don't talk about what happens outside of the house. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, even if they're abusing you, you still got to be there because they're family. You don't let anybody know because people got to keep them secrets. We get conditioned at a young age with a lot of these types of family values to be stuck in those cycles. Right. And those of us who are meant to break those cycles and bring about change are always the ones who get outcasted. Because people like that don't want to change, and they fear those of us who bring it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely fucking leave. Okay. But yeah, so... I'm moving forward from this. I'm taking it down today. I'm putting the pictures up. Um... I don't know. I'm just over it. I don't want to try anymore. It's a waste of my time. And I feel better. I feel good talking about it. Like, just having a conversation about it. Like, it just feels so good. Well, I remember we had this conversation about a year ago now, like, after we had first started talking. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about our magical past with each other. You were telling me about the fact that your ancestors have never really come through for you. And I even told you back then, maybe it wasn't meant, you know, to work out, you know, to try something different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes we crave those connections, even with those who have hurt us, so we're, we're willing to give it more tries than we should. Exactly. And also, this also came as a real, it, just so much, like, in the past couple of days, it be coming to me, like, and I'm just so glad I'm not working with these people no more, but working with a set has, like, has given me what I had ever, what I had always prayed for in, like, my own mother. Like, I was talking about that the other day on my Instagram. Um, Because I've, ta- I've been thinking about going into priesthood, and I think I found a program for me that I feel like really works for me. Um, And I was planning on starting my priesthood on my birthday month. But I had, I was just talking about my priesthood, and, like, people asked me why I want to go to priesthood. And I just realized how much 
I love the set and how much she has given me and how much she has been there for me as the mother that I had always wanted and craved for. Um, I don't see like a set as, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like there's no like English words to describe how I feel for, for my goddess. Like it's just no, no English words like can describe that. And like, I bet you're like, oh, how does that tie into all of this? And I'm just like, it ties in because, like I said before, I've always had more activity with my my deities, and I just feel like that's where I need to be. That's who I need to work with. Those are the ones that want to work with me, you know. Well, I guess too, it comes, it comes down to the fact of you know we say this especially with like I guess you could say in the mortal realm, but you know a lot of times at the end of the day, especially as queer people, as minorities, as spiritual people. A lot of times we end up having to make and choose our own family versus the family we've come from. Mm-hmm. And that can be said the same about the spirits. You know, that's very true. our bloodline, that's not sometimes, you know, that's not our family. Our it's family not, is the spirits we, that come to us. Yes, and sometimes it's just like we may be, we are descendants from deities. Like we are their children. Like some of us are literally their children. And like we are born into these bloodlines. I don't know, just because I guess it's a vessel. I don't know why. I I, I think it's complicated. I fully believe that. I feel like, you know, especially those who've studied a long time, like, you know, astral projections. So this CIA documents have been released about other realms being real, you know, mm-hmm. astral projecting, stuff that us witches, shamans, occultists have known for years. There's different realms. Our souls are old and have been around a lot longer than us realized. I believe we could have been reincarnated in different planes throughout time as well. And that's why our souls know so much and why we are able to experience these things even on this realm, this closeness with spirits and deities versus mm-hmm. even regular people. Right. And that is, you know, a very big personal belief of mine and a big motivation behind my personal craft. Mm-hmm. I live for that, but yeah, that's the conversation. I think the conver. Do you have anything else you want to say or want to talk about? Um, not really. The only thing I was gonna add into is like when you were talking about like, like with Aset, how she showed true motherhood. You know, I never got a chance to experience a lot of that. Like with my birth mother, you know, I come mm-hmm. from the same toxic family background, and. You know, even though I don't work with her anymore, my first experience of that was the Morgan. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the first guide that came to be my first deity, and she's the one who showed me that power. She's the one who gave me my first lessons, my first loving embrace. And, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times these spirits and these guides honestly save our lives. That's true. And another thing, like, it, like I always say, it's like a village to raise a child. And I feel like you can have more than one motherly figure in your life because Sekhmet is also like a motherly figure to me. And so is Hathor is more like a, 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 she gives me more auntie energy than like a mother, but an auntie, it still can be like your mother. Like my auntie, if it wasn't for one of my aunties, y'all, like it, it life would have been even harder than it was. Like, because even though she was my auntie, she still was emotionally available for me when my mother wasn't. And she did so much for me. She taught me things, even though she tried to stay in like an auntie's place. Um, 
she still was there for me. And I feel like you, you could just have more than one motherly figure. Yeah. Like you can have more than one fatherly figure. Honestly, in my life so far, I don't have, I never had that, like a fatherly figure um, or a man that I looked up to or thought was, um, not saying that he's not a great guy, but like, I don't know how to describe it. Someone I appreciated and honored in a fatherly way or uncle way. Um, even even though I, even working with Osiris, like I work with Osiris now, and sometimes that's a little hard because I've never had that type of relationship. And it'd be a little difficult for me sometimes to kind of like work with him or talk to him because I've, I don't know how to approach the relationship because I never had it. Um, well, it's different too, especially when you're used to more feminine energy, and his is very masculine and dominant in a different way from like. Because like when you say dominant, like I think of like Sekwin's energy, who's probably the most dominating over most anyone we call on. But the masculine dominating way his energy is is different from that, and it's hard to explain. Yeah, it's, it's almost intimidating when you're so used to that type of energy. I would say it's intimidating. It's just like. Because Osiris, to me, Osiris' energy is very intoxicating. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say it's, like, a scary or, like, I'm intimidated because of my divine feminine and my connection to my divine feminine. Um, I like his energy. I like being in his presence. But it's just, like, it's just weird. Yeah. Being, it's just weird. Like, I don't know how to explain it 100%. It's just weird. And working my divine feminine is just, I don't know. I don't even know where I was about to go. <laughs> I don't even know where I was about to go with that. I was about to go into talking about something, but I don't even remember. But yeah, so. I said, baby. Well, hold on, where, were we, where was he at? But anyways. Yeah, you can have more than one mother and more than one fatherly figure in your life. And it doesn't have to be blood related or whatever the case may be. That's what I was getting to. Yeah, it's not. That's that's just on period. It's not. Child, you don't gotta do that. <laughs> <laughs> Had to hit the dab on it one time. Yeah. I think it's time to work deeper with some other deities that I've been wanting to work with. Um I've been getting close to Hecate. I was gonna say Dark Mother loves you. I've been getting really close to her. Um, and I've been wanting to work more with Tefnu, and I've been wanting to work more with Shu. And yes, I know Shu is a god, but um, and for those who don't know, Shu is the Egyptian god for the air, and that includes like dry air. Um, he's like the god of the sky. It all depends on what part of Egyptian history you are in, and that depends on like kind of your description of your deity. But, and then Tefnu is the goddess of, like, rain and, like, moist air and fog and all that stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And I've been wanting to work more with them. And um, I've worked a little bit with Shu, especially last year during, like, the summer, the summer, fall kind of time. Um, I would go on a walk and I would just, like, literally breathe in, like, air. And I would just, you know, say, like, a prayer and then breathe it out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and when I work with Tiffany, I dance in the rain. And I, I do a lot of praying in the rain. 
and it's such an, um, a great feeling to like to dance in the rain, to dance in the wind. It's just crazy. So you're talking about that actually makes me think of something reminds me of like when I brought up earlier about changing our perspectives on things. Mm-hmm. Stuff as little as that, not only could it be counted as offering, but also as ritual and ceremony depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Dancing in the rain, you know, you're raising energy, rain cleanses, you know, that's like a cleansing and uplifting ritual. You know, same with breathing in the air. Doing things like that, you know, those little things in honoring your gods, your spirits, your deities in that way, that is both an offering and a ceremony at the same time. Mm-hmm. And once you change your perspective on those things and treat it that way, not only does your witchcraft get that much simpler, but it also gets just that much more powerful. Right, just so, simple stuff. Yep, it's your day-to-day life is now being interacted within the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Okay. Yeah, so I just been want to work more with some more deities. Um, honestly, I kind of didn't want to work back with Menu. Mm-hmm. I remember um, when you first came about with you. Menu is the god of fertility. Um, I think everybody's seen the Egyptian god of fertility. He always has his like penis in his hand. Um. And he's like the god of agriculture, the god of sex, da 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 da. Um, if you want to check him out, his name is Menu. You spell it M M I N, but it's probably, it's pronounced Menu. But anyways, I do want to work with him um, a little bit more. I don't know if I want to work with the aspect of him and Osiris together because they have an aspect together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that would make me more comfortable with working with. Because, honestly, when I work with Osiris, I really work with his vegetation yeah. part. I don't really work with the underworld dead thing. And not to say that I'm scared to work with that stuff, but it's just, like, it's not my path. That's actually one of the things I like about the fact that I, just because of, like, your altar and stuff you have with him, like, that we've both been interacting with him. Mm-hmm. And we both essentially perceive those two different archetypes of who he is. Right. Which is essentially allowing him to be welcomed into our home as a whole and not just as one of his archetypes that people do to worship throughout mythology. Right. It's like even us, we're like totally different. Like, you're more like the dark, the moon energy, and I'm more like the sun and life kind of energy. Like, it's like death and life. Like, and I think a lot of our deities are like kind of yeah represent death and life in two different ways like segment represents uh life and death health and play um birth and destruction and sick i mean and that's it which is the same thing like life and death so it's half or she's seen as life and death and knowing fates and stuff all like that so i think a lot of our dd i think that's why they cross paths with us a lot because we represent different aspects of them and, and they feel like they should be able to be worshipped by both of us. Yep. Like, because right now you're working with Sekhmet. Like, I've been telling you forever to work with her. I've been enjoying it. <laughs> Excuse me. Let's talk about it, girl. Well, because like you today I've been talking to, like, I work with, I guess it's the, like, darker, more kind of cool energy. Mm-hmm. And then she's literally, like, the embodiment of the sun. Mm-hmm. Um. My favorite offering to give her as a warrior goddess is when I woke up. Because it's like, hey, 
you know, not only am I building my temple, my temple, but I am giving, you know, literally like blood, sweat, tears, you know, I'm getting rid of body fat, like I'm using my time to better myself and mm-hmm. essentially become stronger. And I can offer that up to her as an offering, almost like a sacrifice because, you know, my sweat's coming off, I try to sleep in my body, sometimes I bleed, all that in a way is like a sacrifice. And that is my favorite offering to give her and I always feel her accepted when I pray when I'm in the middle of my workout. Yeah. My favorite offering to her is like, Telling her my frustrations and telling her my fears. Yeah, she loves that as as my offering, um, and it's been it's been really great actually. Like even this worry, I'm I'm sacrificing, um, and giving to her to feed on, like because I don't want it. Like what am I gonna do with it? You know what I'm saying? And she's known for doing it and taking it and just like purifying it basically. I will say, I don't want to say it was like the best or the strongest because it's just a different type of embrace. But she's had like beginning to work with her and like my first like meditative processes and stuff with her. Like while she's can appear so strong and merciless, she has such a soft motherly embrace that she brings you into her arms for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, she's. You know, not just this bloodthirsty warrior like people bring up. You know, she was also a healer and, and a mother, and a mother, and a caring woman. Like she is, she was so much in her mythology. Mm-hmm. And when you are her child, God help anyone who goes against you. No, for real. Like <laughs> I've called on Hathor a few times. I mean, not Hathor. I've called on Sekhmet a few times to hex a bitch. Um, but I can also say that even though, like, she comes through for us, she still disciplines us when we're in the wrong. Like, yeah. she does not hold back. Like, she will tell you that you were wrong or, like, she just won't show up. Like, you'll be hexing somebody or be mad as fuck at somebody and she will not show up. I can say the same thing about my work with Dr. K and Lola, too. It's like, you know, they'll be there for you, but if you fuck up, they won't let you fuck up and they won't let you know you fucked up. Yeah, like, they're not going to do nothing that's injustice. Yeah. Especially with Sekhmet, like, being, like, the, the protector of justice, like, yeah. protector of uh, Manat. Like, she does not do nothing if she doesn't feel like it's justified. Um, So, like, if you're doing something petty, do not bring her into it because she does... Like yeah, and then she does lose respect for you. Yeah. Because she don't feel like, that's a waste of my time, so why would you waste my time with something petty? Yeah. Like, and she'll just lose respect for you. But working, like, with Lilith and Hecate and then with her, it's just, like, such a challenging dynamic. Mm-hmm. They're all such powerful deities, but they present themselves in different ways. And, and they all got the same kind of energy, like that crone energy. And that very powerful mother energy. And it's weird, but enticing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. When I work with um Hakate, I I think I feel like a different feeling than me than you feel like. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like a darkness. Like every time like I'm doing magic, she literally's like girl, light my candles. What is you doing? Like them candles, girl. She, <laughs> she 
Don't start nothing until you light them candles. Like I've had her do that to me a couple of times. Like, hold up now. Put them candles on. One more lighter people don't I think realize what Hecate is. The others just hear it's like the Greek goddess of Advent. But Hecate is primordial. She's older than the Greek pantheon that we mm. know now. Like, the Olympians. Yeah, you know, she was a titaness, you know, she was worshipped before the Olympians even came about. You know, she's a very old goddess that has been fed for a long time. Mm-hmm. And is now being fed a lot again with how popular she has become amongst the other witches. And I feel like I'm I'm not even gonna say she got popular, she chose her company like yeah. She she been waiting for the time where magic came back and then she like, okay, I want you. I'm gonna go down there and pick a couple of witches that like I see potentially and I want you, I want you, I want you. Because like before I even started working with Hegate, I I vowed, I said, girl, I'm not working with no white folks. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to work with any white folks, any white deities, anything. And let's point that out though, <laughs> because in my like when I had meditated stuff and I'm her she has never presented as a white woman to me. I have always seen her as being all of skin cultured by complexion. When I yeah, that's that's true. When I see her normally, she's normally just hooded. Like yeah. it's like when she comes to me, it's like, oh girl, we in a cover meeting. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like get your veil ready type shit. But I had veil to never work with no white deity. And then Hecate just came to me one day, like um, <laughs> she did. She just came to me one day. I don't even remember exactly what she said, but it was very subtle and it was just like out of the blue. And then I kind of like ignored it because I knew I looked over and I was like, "This got to be her," but I just ignored it. So then I ended up getting up and going to the craft store, and she was like, "Give me some of them black candles." And then I remember buying the black candles, and then I remember um, the garlic on her feast day. You yeah, know. I didn't even realize that, that was one of her sacred foods, or it was her feast day. But she was like, "Hey, put some garlic on my altar." Yeah, she wanted some garlic. And you're like, I just, you guys, I remember you texting her, "Yeah, I put some garlic on her altar," and I'm like, "You know, it's her feast day, and garlic's one of her sacred foods." You're like. No. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, she just, I want a garlic, so I gave it to her. I had gave her some wine that day, too, because she wanted wine. But then, um, yeah. I think it was the next day I had got those candles after her feast day. Yeah. Or a little later, but either way, I had got some candles, and I had burned them. I don't know, I had just sat there at the altar, and I I was burning the candles, Cause something was just like go to the altar, you know what I'm saying? Like when you get that feeling, you just gotta go. When you get that feeling, you listen. Though. So I just went to the altar and I just sat there, and um, she was she was basically giving me an offer, like I want to work with you. I've been watching you for a while now, and it's something about you. And she was like, "You're a peculiar child," which I thought was such an old ass term. Like, yeah, I was like, "Who the fuck says peculiar?" <laughs> who says that it's just like you're a peculiar child um and then I, I just kind of after she said that um she said what she had to say I kind of got up and I kind of walked around and I was thinking about it more and more because I was like what should I do this should I do this you know um and then I remember lighting the candles when I had first before she started talking I had said a little prayer or whatever and I was asking, like, hey, Hakate, I've been feeling like you want to work with me. Um, and I was like, I want to 
give something as an offering because I just I felt compelled to, and I was like, I mm. like this candle as a representation of my past, and I like this candle as a representation of my present, and then I like this candle and a uh, um, representation of our possible future. And like the candle that was in the past burned like more, it burned so fast and so quickly, quicker than the other ones. I still don't know why, but because they were all the same size candles in the same place, there was no change. In yeah, it was no change in temperature. It wasn't like they were the same fucking candle. I literally bought the, the same candle. Like I picked them up. Anyways, when I when everything had died down, um, matter of fact, I'm not even gonna skip to that part yet. I'm gonna go to the part where we were talking. I, I finished. I got up and I started walking around the house and just kind of thinking. So I was like, you know what? I feel like I should go through with this. Like, I feel like this will be the best bet for me. So let's go through with this um, this magic or whatever. So I sat back down at the altar. And I remember just closing my eyes and just, you know, seeing what I had to say. Like, Hakate, you know, I decided I wanted to take that offer, take that agreement, da 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 And I could feel her next to me, like, just huge, humongous, like, bitch, just tall as a motherfucking tree. And, like, she was dressed in black, and, like, I remember, like, she had touched, like, the top of my head. And then, like, I just had this vision. Everything was, like, in purple. It was, like, swirls everywhere. Like, like as if it was, like, how we see magic in um, on Disney movies and shit. All those different swirls. And then, like, I remember I was standing, and then I had looked up. And I see this woman coming up to me with a lantern. And she was like, are you ready to go down this rabbit hole with me? And then I was, I had, I had kind of like stopped for a little bit. And then I was like, yes. And then she ended up behind me and she was like, kneel. So I had kneeled down and she put this, this like this heavy, like I could feel it actually on me. Like it was a heavy ass, uh, heavy ass cloak. Like if you was to wear like a real fur jacket, how those be heavy. Like, it was heavy like that. And then I remember she put the hood over me, and she was like, well, let's go then. And then we started walking, and then, like, the vision stopped. That was crazy. I've never even... T- I don't think I've, I told you about that, but I haven't said anything else, like, to nobody about it. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the... Mo- it was one of the most powerful moments I've had with a deity this far in my journey. I'd say, yeah, like, Thinking of like my three most powerful moments I've had with deities has been um my first dream I had with Gamora again. Mm-hmm. Um meditation where I met Hecate and then when I met Sekhmet in a meditation as well. I had, the other two moments for me is when I was still living in Indianapolis and I called upon all three of my deities and we all sat at the table together and we were all drinking wine mm-hmm. and I could feel sick. I, I could feel um, a set on my left and segment on my right. And I could feel like on the right side, I could feel the heat blazing mm-hmm. off of her. And then Hathor was like, I was playing some like fun music and Hathor was like dancing in front of us like naked. And then we all got up and we kind of danced. Not kind of danced, but we actually danced and then like it, it kind of went away. Like the energy that I now. But then my second one would have to be the dream I had, the dreams of 
Yemaya. I remember the first time I seen her on these guidance guidance cards that I had. Yeah. And from that point on, like she would call to me. Like I would have little dreams about fishes. I would have dreams like I was underwater and like mermaids were swimming past me, but I couldn't focus on them. Um, and then you had that one dream about the 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 mermaids. Oh, yep. And I had me in it. And then, like, she came to me. She would come to me at night, during, like, walking on a beach. And, like, she'll be walking ahead of me. And I'll be walking way behind her. And, like, her footsteps would glow in the sand. She always would wear white. And then, then that dream I had about her. And we were in that house. And she told me that I need to do some inner child healing. Was that when she was in, like, the all white and she had the cards? Yes. I remember. I remember yes. That. Yes. And mm-hmm. that candle, I got you for her. I do. I'm gonna start using it. Cause Yemaya um is a wa- is like a water spirit too. Like Yemaya yeah. is not considered a goddess. Um in no. the Yoruba tradition she's like like a, like a, a spirit. Law, essentially, yeah. yeah. No, that's like a Haitian that's oh, like a Haitian, Haitian voodoo thing. thing. Yeah. That um no, Yemaya is like a Ashe, she's an energy, she's a yeah, yeah, Orisha, but she's like an energy. They're not considered goddesses and gods. Yeah. They're just considered energy and actual spirits that have like deity and air quote qualities. Yeah. And they've been deified. But yeah, very powerful moments. Do you, do you have any other powerful moments that you want to share? I do remember the first time I met a set in a dream. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just saying my first time when I met Morgan for starting my path, and I had that dream where I was at um, my old house, and I was fighting with my family, and I went outside to leave, and there was just this big, brilliant tree in the front yard. Mm-hmm. And I remember it had this, like, lumescent, like, blue-green moss, and I seen this old, like, Native woman scraping that moss into a bowl, and I went up to help her, and when she turned around, she was just this, like, young, beautiful woman with this, like, dark black hair. And she handed me that birch bark basket with the moss. And I remember it, like, it almost, like, it felt like it should have burnt me, but it didn't. But mm-hmm. it was hot to the touch. And I was helping her scrape that moss. And there was a point when she looked at me and was like, your path is meant to learn your people's medicine, but also witchcraft, and to pave a new way. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment I started working with the Morgan for the first time. And, you know, six years later now, that dream still stands out to me as one of the most powerful dreams I've ever had. Mm. Oh, I guess I can talk about what the the powerful experience I had today when we went and gave. So, like, there's I was like. just thinking about that. <laughs> the water spirit. Yeah, so it's like this pond by a house like like a couple of blocks up um it's like a natural pond so i remember we, we were walking one night and i noticed i want to call her a nymph um she just gives me nymph energy but anyways we were walking past the pond and i remember like her calling out to me and we don't normally go down that street so that wasn't a i think that's why i've never realized it before so I remember I just, she was calling out to me in a way. Like she was asleep, like she was sleeping like the fetal position. She had this beautiful long black hair. 
her skin was like a bluish gray kind of tone. And she just was so gorgeous. And I remember her just calling out to me. And maybe she did it intentionally or unintentionally. But anyways, I remember that. So fast forward where it's today. And I decided, I said, I'm going to go get some offerings. Because I was going to wait until spring, actually spring. But I was like, you know what, today you just feel right to go get some offerings. So I had some a couple of more cutesy oranges. And something was like, grab the honey. So we go down there. It's a, it's a little hard because um, it's a lot of snow. So we got as close as we possibly could get. Um, I, and I gave my offerings and did some tobacco because a lot of the native spirits up here like tobacco as an offering as well. So we did that. And then as I was, as we were leaving, um, I could just hear her saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like very grateful very um happy about the offering and then i remember she took a lot of my energy like she started absorbing my energy and like i I felt myself getting weaker and weaker so i ended up holding on to jason just to like keep balance you know what that just made me think of too is when we first noticed her the other night and I was like, oh, you know, I was like, well, we could always just give our energies an offering. And you're like, no, that's not always the best idea because if we give them open access, they'll drain us. Exactly. And that's what happened. And today. she literally drained me, y'all. Like, I was literally so freaking tired afterwards. Um, but by draining my energy, she gave me a vision. And the vision was so clear, y'all. Like, it was, it was like I was there, like, she gave me a vision of her and like some other water spirits they played in that pond. And I remember it, one of them saying, ooh, I love the summertime. Um, and they were playing in a pond. And then as we were walking away, she um, showed me what the area looked like before humans. Pre-colonization, essentially. Essentially, um, before anybody lived there. And she showed me, like, it was so many different types of nymphs and spirits literally running through the forest. Um, There were wind elementals, air elementals that I saw. There were, like, tree nymphs. And she was telling me, like, there were more tree nymphs that lived in the area, but they they did not like people. Um, And she just was so... And then, like, as we were getting back to the house, I could feel her pain. She was so sad, y'all. Like, I mean so sad after showing me that video of of that vision because it reminded her of her people and what they had before then and it just was it was so sad i could feel it in my chest like that broken heart feeling if you ever had your heart broken before like you know what that feel like and i remember her she got so enraged like i could feel her rage and she was like she was like i hate humans so much I hate humans so much, but there's something about you. And she kept seeing it. It was something about you. It was something about you. Like, she didn't want me to be feel bad because she hate humans. But she was like, I hate humans so much. She was like, if I had the power, like the great spirit has power, I would destroy all of this. And I was just like, damn. Baby, don't never upset no water spirit. Mm-mm. The water spirits with the shit. She wanted to. I'm, I'm when I say y'all, she wanted to destroy that shit. She literally showed me how I would look if she had the power to destroy that shit. Y'all like y'all don't understand. Like 
she was about to, she wanted to call on some real strong ass elementals to wipe, to like spread this bitch thin. Like, it was crazy, like just looking at it and seeing it so clearly. And then I ended up going back in the house, which I had my wards and stuff. So, and the vision stopped after we got into the crib because my our wards are very strong wards. Even though we asked, we, even though she can come in at this point in time, she has no entry point because I don't have any water on my altar for the entry in the home. Yeah. But, um. She was told she's allowed to come in and break bread at our table. Yeah, but it just was crazy. That was, that was really fucking powerful ass experience. For real. But yeah, y'all. I think that's it. I feel like that was a good little conversation. We need to do this more, just having like our conversations on the podcast. We do. We're talking about some real shit. Yeah, we be having some really great things to say. And I really want to get past the one on one, 101 kind of magic that I feel like is so basic and so many people do. I want to talk about doing more advanced magic. Um, and I think that's why you guys should really follow me on Instagram because. I show so much of my advanced magic on Instagram and my ritualistic as magic, ceremonial as magic. Um, but yeah, I want to get past those one on ones and how to do basic stuff. Um, Bro, it's time to move forward. Oh my god, we showed this just did some reflection spells on, on two people. Um, <sighs> bitch, that was some that was it some crazy was really time. Heavy. Servitor we made, like, yes, we just made a little servitor. His name is Ralph, and he's a fucking leprechaun, and he's a trickster, and he's so fucking funny. Oh my gosh, I took him to fucking Target with us, and he literally just was like, Give me this, give me that, give me that. I had seen some gold coins, and like, the he literally begged me. Oh my god, he literally begged me the whole time we were in there to put him in my purse so he can count them because, like, he lives in my wallet, so he was like. Put them in the bag. I want to count. I want to count. I'm on count. And like, I kept like turning the coins in my hand. Like, Ralph is hilarious. And I just, I live for him. And he kept pointing out people's gold jewelry. Oh my gosh. And then he was, oh my gosh, he went down the Easter aisle, y'all. Mistake. It was so many golden eggs. He was like, I want this one. Yeah, he wanted want the fucking one. $20 one. Yeah. I was like, no, I said, you can get this little one. And he was like, oh, okay. Get us some more money first, or else maybe we will. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we made a little servitor. Um, we are also made an amplifier for the spirit room too. Mm. That's some advanced as much. That was some shit that kind of just happened on the whim. I was yeah. like, I was at Hobby Lobby, and I was like, mm, maybe I should make an amplifier for the room. My popper that I did on myself for psychic advancement. Oh yeah, that too. Um, what other advanced that shit? I've done like a lot of advanced money magic, a lot more advanced. Oh, the warding when we had to make new wards. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna have to share that, that time with y'all at a different time when we. I was gonna have to come back on here and talk about wards. That was a whole ceremony. We called it. Everything. Yeah, and then we can talk about the situation that actually led to us having to do no wards. But yeah, we have to get back on here and talk about warding. The situation that's also led up to the uh, slop reflection. Yeah. That the bitch is lucky that we didn't fucking call on Heckman and Hecate, Heckman and Hecate and Hex that hoe, or curse her because she knows damn good and well how to fucking drag her. Oh my gosh, girl, we got to talk about it in a okay, different we'll episode. Like uh, <laughs> sneak peek for our next conversation. 
Because this bitch nearly got dragged by us. Oh my gosh, y'all. Yeah, but yeah, it's the different... We're going to talk about it differently. But I'm going to let you guys go. This is actually a very fucking long episode. This is longer than any episode I've ever fucking done. Um, and I like these kind of episodes. So we're going to have more times. We just have random conversations. And you guys will be a part of that. Especially because we've been diving deeper in our practices and studying and reading a lot more. It's given us a lot more to talk about. Servitors, egregores classes of demons going from the Dugante hierarchy to the Goetia. That's some shit he knows. I don't know shit about that. Here at the Black Queer Witch Shop, my mission is to spread self-love and self-growth through witchcraft and divination. See, my goal or to provide you with the support um, for you to take care of your body, your mind, and your soul, period. You got to take care of your soul, baby, your mind. See, I want to share my knowledge with you guys. I want to share my knowledge with other witches. I want to share my knowledge with other people who also believe in magic. See, my ultimate goal for the Black Crew with Shop is to create a safe space for all those who seek a place to be free. Now, come and gather at the circle with me. We're waiting. Welcome to your Coven Me In. And the Coven Me is going to be very short today. Very, very, very short. I just want to leave you with this. Your first spiritual altar is your body. So you should tend to it daily. And that's it. <laughs>